Let's start the show by talking about my sponsor, Paloma Verde, and their new website, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out for all of your CBD needs. They've got the gummies, tinctures, the salves. So if you're needing anything to maybe chill you out, something to help you get mellowed out, something for your joint pain and stiffness, go over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and give them a check out. Carlos and Vanessa are awesome people. They run a great company. And if you enter the promo code FACTS at checkout, you'll get 25% off your order. Plus, any order over $75, you get free shipping. So, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out. Let's start the show. I'm going to be like muting and unmuting. <laughs> so just let me know when it gets like uncomfortably cute or, uh, I, I, you know, when, when she starts yelling, I'll, I'll, obviously that's my cue. But yeah, see, there we go. <laughs> well, I was going to let Jason introduce himself, but we'll, uh, we'll give her just a second to finish with what she's got for him. Uh, Matt, go ahead and reintroduce yourself, even though you've been here before. Yeah. Yeah. I am, I am Matt Erickson with Kingfield. Uh, you can find me most often on Twitter at Real Kingpilled. That's where I I dump all my thoughts and and try to rile people up. I guess sometimes, um, but then I've got a YouTube channel as well, <clears throat> the Kingpilled Podcast. Just search Kingpilled on on YouTube, and we've got some episodes we've uploaded to Podcatchers, uh, so you can find that as well. I was gonna say you're one of those uh, unique shows that you don't do a whole lot on the Podcatchers. It's mostly just whatever's on YouTube, typically, isn't it? Yeah. It's a, that's, that's more because of my laziness slash busyness, um, that I've got that extra step that I just haven't incorporated. And, and, and I can't, I, I got to take, take one for the team here. I, that's definitely not because people haven't reached out and offered to do it for me. I've had multiple people who have said, I will literally do it for you for free. And then I just never get around to, to setting it up with them. So I, I um, may have been one of those about a year or so ago. <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> What do you do this stuff? You do this stuff for free? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> Only for sp- certain special people. <laughs> oh. Well, that's like I do that with. I don't have the I don't have the sub count apparently for the freebies. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I do that right. with the morning show yeah. too. Like it's exclusively on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and I don't I don't put it anywhere else. Like that's it. And 
it's which we do that as a like it's a morning news show is the intent of it. it we don't always do news we but we always do it in the morning and like that's the the point is it's supposed to be a morning news show so you should catch it either in the morning or later in the day get your news like i'm not putting it on a podcatcher for somebody to stick in a queue and listen to three weeks from now that, that, that's not the that's not the purpose of the show but that is the purpose of this show and i appreciate those who are listening that waited three weeks to listen to this because it, I fall somewhere towards the back end of your list of must follows. Uh, so tonight, oh, Jason, go ahead and introduce yourself since this is Hi. your first time on. I'm Jason. Oh, <laughs> I'm Jason from 2-Bit Podcast. It's a, <laughs> it's a show about two old friends talking about things and stuff primarily. Uh, and occasionally we do uh, get togethers with other fine individuals like uh like uh, justin and matt uh for shows like friend or fed which pisses off uh everybody and uh that's fun um uh what else do we do we uh do dissident roundtables uh we're talking about fractals and uh, other whatnots which doesn't piss off people which is also interesting and uh that's basically it and i have a two-year-old daughter which takes up most of my time um that's usually my handy excuse for my own laziness like that. I uh, primarily put stuff on YouTube. There's other episodes will appear in other places uh, occasionally, sporadically, because I'll be like, oh, yeah, I should put that on BitChute and maybe Odyssey or Rumble. I think I have stuff on Rumble. I don't know how Rumble works. It's it's, it's there, though. Um, and uh, I think sometimes some stuff will appear on Spotify. But, uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. My my problem is like I'm a Gen Xer, so like I'm that one stay, stay, stage away from Boomer. So it's like I know how to do a lot of these things, but I don't know how these things work. I'm. It's more like magic boxes where I just throw things in there. I'm like, I've, I've, I don't know. <laughs> Are people watching? It, it's. I guess I don't know. That's so. But anyways, honored to be here. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, first time caller, uh, long time listener. So. The the interesting thing with like all the different platforms before we just dive into this, like I, I've put stuff on Odyssey, I've put stuff on BitChute. I have like five guys that exclusively watch this on Rumble, uh, which I mean that's cool. So I I keep it on Rumble just because there are I know that there are literally five guys who will not go watch this on YouTube because they absolutely hate everything YouTube is, but they'll watch it on Rumble as long as it's there. So you know I keep stuff going on Rumble. <laughs> yeah, I mean just sort of not to not to extend this conversation too too long um but it's been on my mind actually because i mean because peter thiel rumble right so just to tie back to 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 what we're going to be talking about today um i kind of look at it as like i have these fail safes so if if and when this show gets booted off youtube i'll just spend my time getting on rumble or rockfit or as well as like that right now as it stands it's like youtube and twitter are still more valuable in terms of uh, whatever that number is one YouTube view is still, I think, worth at least a hundred BitChute, Odyssey, Wizzle Wazzle views, because that's where people go to, and and for whatever that's worth, you're far more likely to have impact on YouTube than you are on these other channels that you don't know really what that means. You know, uh, they're they're ill-defined. Uh, so, see, this is this is my reason. This is my reason why things don't get done. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and and so I think I think having options and other and other places to go is valuable. At the same time, it's more like those are kind of backups, fail safes, you know, 
if all if everything else hits the fan then do that uh you know but if a year from now rumble is 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 what they're saying is going to replace youtube or something like that then we'll we'll do rumble i don't know it's... it has been cool that some there have been some uh right leaning or even uh sort of new right type of congressmen who have used rumble for live streaming different events and stuff like especially stuff that talked about the covid regime the science behind the vaccines certain other stuff that like that youtube is not going to let happen so the so rumble has been utilized for stuff like that so that's that's been pretty cool like that could be the the future of this and speaking of those new right congressmen um there may be a chance that we'll see another well a, a couple more new right uh senators coming here in november and we're going to talk about one of those guys tonight and that is blake masters in arizona so initially when i was looking at the mother jones hit piece that had come out about masters i thought it was really interesting and it warranted a conversation um i was a little late to to seeing it i guess it had been out for oh when did this come out it came out in july so i guess Maybe I wasn't too terribly late. I, I picked up on it late, late July, early August, and was wanting to take a look at it. And and so at the time, you know, I thought it was an interesting piece, especially because the way it's written, like it's clearly a hit piece. And then after that, before we had a chance to do an, an episode, he won his primary. And then the New York Times ran their own hit piece. And that one kind of confused me because when I read it, I was like, are y'all trying to make me like this guy more? Because you're really succeeding. If the goal is to convince me that Blake Masters is like, you know, going to help usher in the devil to run the country, you have completely convinced me of the opposite. Like he seems better and better the more I read through this article. So so that gave us a little extra fuel for this. And and now we're going to get around to it uh, here just in time to see how these these last really kind of home stretch months hit leading up to the general election. So uh, which, which one do y'all want to start with or what were your just kind of general thoughts on the, the articles themselves before we really start going into like nuts and bolts of what was said? I'm about halfway through the, uh, the um, was it mother Jones one? I've read the New York times one and uh, the New York times one was kind of, it was very pearl clutchy. It was, which I mean, I guess I would expect, but the, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's strange to me. I don't read this type of stuff hardly ever. I read basically zero news articles, think pieces on any website. If I'm going to read something, it's going to be some like super niche blog or a, a book. And then I'm listening to it. So to sit down and just read through one of these articles here, it's like, <laughs> They have really a really distinct voice that you can you can hear the, the the author just sort of falls into a voice and a cadence as you go through it. And some of them are well written and some of them are just really kind of pretentious and stilted. And this one was much more the latter. Uh, it, it kind of felt like someone doing a parody of one of these articles. Um, but. And on a more zoomed out level, I guess what's significant here is the level to which these guys are being evaluated. They're especially so like the one we're reading about here, Masters, they're digging deep to get stuff on it. They are going 
into the deepest reaches of the internet to try to find stuff to throw at him. And they're trying to keep it like, make it seem impartial. And like, they're just factually reporting, oh, there was this little thing that he did or this little thing. But it's like, you can tell by the stuff that they pick, like, you know, he, he had a freestyle rap that he did in college where, um, and like the specific line they pick out of it is the part where he, he, he uh, criticizes political correctness. So it's kind of like, it's like, they're just sort of laying this out as, Hey, look, this is the type of guy he does. He does freestyle raps, but it has this like lecturing, like how dare he freestyle about the no, no thing. Anyways, it was just, and it's like, it's weird to read this kind of thing. Look at this really specific blog entry. He wrote in 2008 about this and this and, and look at how he's changed his opinion since then. Like, uh, so you're saying people aren't allowed to to grow and and have like from college, from college, you say? <laughs> yeah, people aren't allowed to have personal development or anything, unless except for unless you're Joe Biden. In which case, if you sponsored the '94 crime bill, you're not just sponsored, like fucking wrote the '94 crime bill. But he his opinions have changed on things. He's not he's not all about that anymore. Um, but no, if, but Blake Masters, on the other hand, like his opinions from college cannot have changed. Obviously, that's he still believes that. And when Joe Biden said concrete jungle, what he really meant was gentrification. That's really what Joe <laughs> Biden was. He was just ahead of his time. You see, he was talking future talk, uh, Justin. And I don't think you appreciate that enough uh, or anyone does really, except for Biden and uh, and his. 34% support group. Um, yeah, so I mean, we can spend a little time on, on, the, on the writing of this. I, I did journalism. I, um, uh, I did journalism. I uh, dropped out of journalism school uh, back in the early, back in the late 90s. Not something that people actually really know that Damn much about me. Old. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and uh, Humber, Humber School of Journalism, uh, 1997? 88, something like that. Um, and funny because reading through these things, it's just like these are the these would be the articles that would have given you in, in journalism school back then to say this is how you don't write these things. Like this is how to not write a anything. <laughs> don't do this. Um because yeah, poorly poorly written. Mother Jones one, I think, is even worse than the New York Times one, because at least the New York Times one still has that pretense of it being a news article. So you can still see some sort of structuring to it. The Mother Jones thing is just all over the shop. Uh, I was reading it like, what's the, I, I mean, it, maybe, and this is an open question, because um, I think it's it's telling how these these holdovers from the before times are still with us. And it doesn't seem to be responding to the reality of the, of the situation. Like, reading both of these, these articles, I keep asking myself, who's this for? Is this, because a Mother Jones uh, people who are reading Mother Jones, other than us reading it for for content, are not going to vote for Blake Masters. They're not. Like, there's no. There's no chance in hell that a, a Mother Jones subscriber or a New York Times person who who pays to 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 read the New York Times for anything else but, but pure ironicy, uh, ironic uh, content, is going to vote for Blake Masters or Trump or anything, uh, you know, uh, right of of Liz Cheney. So. So it's like, who is this for? Who's this showing up? What is what is this, what's really going on here? So that's uh, that's part of the reason why. And I know there are ways to get it for free, but at, in January of every year, they run these dumb specials where you can get like 
super cheap subscription for the entire year. So it's just like, okay, cool, whatever. You know, five bucks for the Washington Post for the entire year. Okay, I'll do that. Uh, and then I get like, then I get to look at all of the paywalled, blocked Washington Post articles and see like, what do these people actually think? Like, what are they talking to each other about and saying about this stuff? And that, so that's like, that's why I have the New York Times and, and the Atlantic subscriptions. Because like I do sit around and read this stuff because I'm a dumbass, but also because like I enjoy looking at what's the other side talking about and what are they saying about all of this stuff. Like, um, remember, so we did the Vanity Fair piece on the new right. There was, uh, oh shoot, what was the guy's name? Uh, hey, crap! Now I've yeah, Carlos had him. Yeah, Carlos had him on. It was yeah. he was. He was a really good interview with Carlos. He, I also chatted with him a little bit on Twitter leading up to Carlos's interview with him and, and us doing the, uh, the review of his piece. Like that was really well written. And that was very, uh, I mean, it was very objective for all intents and purposes, especially, especially for something in Vanity Fair where like generally what you get from Vanity Fair is this Mother Jones piece. Like that's, that is a hundred percent what I was expecting to see going into that and and it really wasn't at all uh let me just jump in for a second though but vanity fair and, and politics aside vanity fair had a, has had a, actually a really long history of hiring very very uh good writers like christopher hitchens no matter how you feel about him how we feel about him now was a leader a lead contributor i think it was a lead editor actually of vanity fair for a while um so in terms of prestige and in, in terms of um of hiring good writers uh, Vanity Fair has a really good track record, <laughs> oddly enough, right? Because for whatever reason, we don't, we just don't connect those dots because because of covers or uh, because of politics. Um, but I think there's still holdovers left in these left in these institutions. I don't think all of them have been uh, have, have been hauled out. Um, the interesting thing is always about the editors, right? Because one thing that we don't, I think most people don't really re realize about about publications and media is the power really resides in the editors. Uh, the writers and some of that doesn't don't even kind of matter. Uh, it's, it's, it's who's editing and who's making these choices to how, to how this thing is going to get presented. And if you still have some holdovers of people who at least have the pretense of journalistic integrity or, uh, you know, writing that is above a fifth grade level, then you can start getting interesting things put out there that are challenging even within the confines of a, uh, of a bias, you know, does that, does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That, does, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that, that would explain why you do see some of, some of these that do have better stuff. And I, I should probably pay more attention to, uh, direct to names that are directly attached to, uh, <coughs> to some of these articles and stuff like that. Um, but like, so speaking of the mother, mother Jones piece, the, the author of this says that he had sent, multiple requests to, to Blake Masters for interviews and a like a fact a 24 point or 20 well, how many how many points was it on his fact check list that he wanted a response from Masters on like, does it matter it doesn't matter for one thing and, and for number two like dude I've never even seen your name before like I maybe I'm wrong maybe it's because I don't read a lot of a lot of Mother Jones but like I don't know who you are, so it would make sense that somebody who's getting a lot of national attention is probably not going to respond to you. I, I love the fact that I love the fact that he also said he sent it sent it out the same thing to Peter Thiel, and it's like 
yeah, Peter Thiel, the guy who avoids contact with the media like a like a fucking plague, like who probably took your request and used it as like literally got it printed out on velvet to use as a toilet paper. Like it's like, no, of course he didn't respond to you. <laughs> he doesn't respond to any. He sank Gawker for fuck's sake. Like, what do you th- what do you think his relationship with the media is? <laughs> I was uh, I was really interested reading some of his. Like, I knew he had a. <clears throat> a libertarian background that he I'd heard that he'd been like on libertarian blogs and that sort of thing. But I didn't really know much about where he was actually coming from. I've heard a decent bit from, uh, from Tho Bishop. Tho has done a good job of, of kind of raising his profile into our circles. But I thought this was interesting from the, the uh, New York times article. So he's 35. So 19, it says at 19, he blogged on live journal under the username King GPS in support of drug legalization, unfettered immigration, and the elimination of the Supreme Court, which he wrote is, quote, little more than a coercive microcosm of democracy. As for national borders, Mr. Masters wrote, are we really supposed to believe that a government can draw a line in the sand and that the people living on one side are somehow inherently different or deserving of more or less rights than those on the other? And and it goes on to just talk about some of his other stuff he talked about. But he like recommended this in 2007. He recommended reading antiwar.com, the Mises Institute website, lewrockwell.com, and Counterpunch. So that's an interesting progression there. From so at 19, he would have been that would have been in like 2005, 2004, 2005, and from that point to then here five or, or three, two or three years later. He is now uh, recommending LewRockwell.com and Counterpunch. And then he's progressing to the point where in, uh, let's see here. Sorry, I got the wrong tab open. He, he gets to the point where once like Mitt Romney's election rolls around 2012, now he's very clearly expressly right wing. And he's like di- feeling disenchanted with the Republicans for being squishes. So that progression is very interesting to me because it, I mean, number one, it mirrors the progression of, I think a lot of people who see themselves in the dissident right wing sphere. Now there was a time where we had this kind of socially liberal, um, fiscally conservative kind of like libertarianism, neither left nor right. And like, we have all these rational arguments laid out in our heads, anti-borders and, you know, um, uh, pro-choice, all these different things. But he's gone from being like completely full ANCAP on immigration to very anti-immigration. He's gone from pro-choice to pro-life. He's gone from pro-gay marriage to anti-gay marriage to the point where he'll say in public that he thinks that Peter Thiel's marriage should be illegitimate. The, the, the guy has has made a serious transition. And and he's clearly very well read. He's very intelligent. And the guy's got physiognomy like a mofo. He is just the like absolute. You can see him carved into a marble bust already. He's got the most amazing features. He looks like a Caesar. Um, But that to me, that makes me trust him a lot more. Number one, knowing that that's his background, knowing that he progressed. You, you don't make the progression that he has made. If you're um, easily influenced or um, like not like you're a guy that's for sale, 
the, the, those two things aren't, aren't coherent to me. I don't think that you can have the intellectual progression he's had and also be like easily bought off and an opportunist and um, someone who's just going to naturally get watered down by, by kind of participating with the system. But the bigger concern to me, and this is what I thought might be kind of interesting to discuss here, is particularly being having a past with Peter Thiel. And uh, there was a quote in the, uh, the Mother Jones one, one of his old slogans. You guys remember that part? Um, uh, here we go. Uh, oh, the, one, the one he took off of, it was attributed to Thiel, but yeah. it was actually from a RPG or something like that. Yeah, yeah. On his Tumblr, Masters had adopted a new tagline, so Thielian, that it is still sometimes misattributed to the billionaire. Quote, your mind is software program it your mind your body is a shell change it death is a disease cure it extinction is approaching fight it and it said it was from a a, a science a sci-fi rpg in which bioengineered humans in a post-apocalyptic universe try to save transhumanity from extinction by joining a quote secretive conspiracy so to what extent is the teal sphere which is i think probably he's probably the, the headliner at this point to what extent is the teal sphere just the right wing or the, maybe you could say the right arm of the World Economic Forum, Great Reset, yada, yada, yada? Is this so, the other part of the dialectic? I had the exact same thought. Uh, <laughs> one of, early on, Matt, and it was long before we started communicating, uh, when I became just kind of aware of you with King Pilled, one of the things I loved about your show was that it was like made me feel smart because it was like a lot of times I'd be having a thought like let's say on a Monday and I'd listen to your show on a Wednesday and like oh it's the same thing <laughs> like we're <laughs> like like we're 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 traveling parallel paths here and I had the exact same thought over the last I would say over the last forty eight hours and this it's kind of been building on 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 other things I've been thinking of uh, I've been listening to listening reading. Uh, Seraphim Rose, uh, specifically his book about nihilism. And it made me think of a conversation I think we were having on the Discord at some point where Seraphim, Father Seraphim, talks about, I forget who he was talking about. Um, it wasn't Evola, it was the other guy whose name Gwinnon. I forget right now. Yes, saying that Gwinnon is not wrong, he just doesn't go far enough. Mm -hmm. And reading Evola, I had the same feeling. It's like, what I found really interesting is how Evola goes into Eastern mysticism to extract into what he would call a traditionalism, um, which is not just a, an Evola term, but it's I think he he makes it the most he most he makes the most salient uh, point for it. Let's say, uh, and they, he goes into he's using Buddhism and he's using um, Dharmaism and all these other things. And they, for whatever reason, they seem to have skipped orthodoxy or you know Christian orthodoxy. And I think maybe a lot of this has to do with the German mind because you know they were they were already in, in Protestantism. They were already in some sort of rejection of Christianity. So everything that was in the Christian sphere had to be rejected to something much more extreme, uh, and that would lead them into other uh, into other roads. Which which uh, anyone reading nihilism, uh, which I highly recommend, no matter what your religious background is. Uh, Father Seraphim kind of ties it up into what he calls a vi uh, vitalism, that all these 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 strains are actually tied to a sort of a positive nihilism, 
that's been with us this like this is gen three this is genesis three this is this is what when uh we get into uh conversations about uh you know uh, gnosticism all that stuff all these things are placeholders for this energy for this spirit that in that that invades these systems and wears them like a like a meat suit so to go to your point that it's like yes we're actually i think we're at a point now the tipping point is already made uh we're into a new paradigm and the new paradigm is going to be transhumanism technocrat some sort of technocratic something that is now i think inevitable uh unless things completely fall apart and then whatever right but but if all things all things remain the same we're going to get some version of that the question now is and tommy and and lb brought this up and in, in, in i'm getting to something don't worry this is this is my thought process sorry folks for encountering this for the first time um but uh, go watch your federal penance we do six hours not because because i'm concise um but but uh LB and, and Tommy mentioned this in, in, in Tommy's last uh, uh, podcast, where she's like, are we seeing the birth of a new parallel system? And in that parallel system, is it this new war of elites, which is like Peter Thiel and his folks, even Elon Musk, are on one side, and WEF and Prince Charles and all the other people are on the other. And is it a war to see who comes out supreme, or is it a war to see who can split? Is this the real civil war? Is that, that's the question that comes that's up. an interesting that's an interesting rabbit hole to go down because especially when you look at, well you know when you look at elon musk and some of the things that he's said and done over the last several years like he was a he was a leftist darling for you know many years there um and then just over the last two or three years he's really become kind of their heel and, and then you got Teal, which with all of his background and, and the things that he's been a part of and, and like where he's made his money, um, I wouldn't necessarily consider any of those necessarily uh, like overtly uh, conservative ventures. And and if you look at some of the things that Jeff Bezos has said and and kind of done over the last two or three years, especially, he's sort of moved in a similar direction. It's... This is the big question, right? So the big question is this: Look, look, look there's just those three figures, right? Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, Jeff Bezos. They've built their careers, and in, in fact, pretty much their entire industry relies on government uh, subsidies, right? They're tied to the government. DARPA, uh, you know, Peter Thiel is setting up uh, subsidiaries that are that are that are like to say parallels to BlackRock. Parallels, you know, like his. It, you go through the Mother Jones thing. It, it's not like he's he's made his money supporting uh, groups that are definitely Fed friendly, if not actual Feds. So, so they're taking an enormous risk, and that's the that's where my interest lies. Because if these guys are taking, who are not known for taking outsized risks, who built their career not taking math, they, they take business risks, but not life risks. They're taking a massive risk to make a delineation of where of what side they're on, and you'd have those three guys. Just those three guys have more wealth than most countries have GDP. So, the fact that they're making a move and it's and it's becoming more and more obvious is very interesting. And I think it's 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 like what you know, which way Western man is going to be is is not going to be just a meme. It's going to be a, it's going to be reality. It's like, well, what side are you, are you going to be on? You know, I've been thinking about 
kind of for a while, the ideas of Blue Caesar and Red Caesar. And I just finished reading the book by Michael Anton, where he kind of actually, I think I've got like an hour left in the audiobook. I had to skip through large chunks of it just to because Michael Anton still got quite a bit of BoomerCon going on and just kind of trying to choke down the all the lauding of the founding fathers just got kind of tiresome because like I've gotten to the point now where I see the, the founding fathers as like the the Antifa of their day. And so it just makes it anyways. Um, the uh, the thought that I've been having about this is I think a lot of people, they imagine you kind of get people who imagine one of two things. It's really kind of the red Caesar, blue Caesar um, archetype. Some people say, you know, it's going to be the the red Caesar. He's going to be like the reincarnation of St. Constantine the Great, who's going to uh, he, he's he's just basically going to make everything right. He's going to be essentially like a Deus Ex Machina who comes in and and kind of swoops in and saves the day. It's sort of a a more watered down version of the Patriots are in control, kind of. And then on the flip side, you have the Blue Caesar, where you have the the concern that it's going to be some type of a like communist dictator who takes over and yada yada yada. And um. I'd say that most people fall probably not quite as extreme on the on the the Red Caesar side. The people who actually have these kind of conversations, they're not as extreme on the Red Caesar side, but they still are kind of locked into that Red Caesar. In order to be a good thing, has to fit all of these predefined categories. He has, and and most of all, he has to be a rabid ideologue who is simpatico with all of us who recognizes the regime for what it is, who's a devout Christian, yada, yada, yada. And I think that is that would be great. That would be phenomenal. That obviously, that would be best case scenario. Um, but I don't think that it necessarily has to be that way to still be a good thing. And I don't think it's likely that it's going to be the reincarnation of St. Constantine the Great. I think that you're... The type of person who's going to wind up taking this Red Caesar role, and I do think it's going to be a Red Caesar when it when it happens. Number one, they're not going to come through the through the, the president, the office of the presidency. I don't think that doesn't that doesn't seem to make sense at all. Um, and uh, and I also don't think that they're going to be taking over the empire. I don't think that they're going to start out as someone who is a direct threat to the empire itself. I think they're going to start off as something akin to like a DeSantis type of character who's gained a foothold in a key state and makes the right political moves to retain his hold on that and essentially lock down his power while the rest of the regime has too many issues to really deal with him or something like that. Um, but really, this is kind of a long lead up to the one point that I really wanted to get to, which is that I th- I'm becoming more and more confident that whoever Red Caesar becomes is not going to look like Red Caesar at first. And that's going to be in large part because to get to the position where he could become Red Caesar, he's going to have to have ingratiated himself to the regime. He's going to have to be operating on the regime's playing field to some degree. He's likely someone like DeSantis. I could see, I don't think it's going to be DeSantis, but someone like him where people like, oh, he's a fed, you know, he's got his background of military intelligence and, and, uh, you know, he's pro-Israel and all these other things. In order to get into a foothold in power right now, 
you essentially have to have something on the record where you have been playing ball with the regime, where you have received some kind of great award or you've you've frontlined some kind of big accomplishment or you're you're preaching the regime rhetoric. And I think that people who are wanting an ideologue to lead them out of of the wandering in the wilderness, I think you're not going to find it. I think what you're going to wind up with is an a pragmatic opportunist who jumps at the opportunity and then kind of backfills his ideological awakening in the process of obtaining power. So this is taking an interesting turn, and I love it. Um, something that I was thinking about with that, and have been thinking about quite a bit, um, I, I have said multiple times, like I've been saying since I was in high school, that we are witnessing the collapse of the Roman Empire in our modern era. And which is kind of a, a two-sided thing like we are witnessing like late stage the empire collapsing but we're also getting to watch kind of the the middle phases where um where caesar becomes or where caesar comes to power and so you get like those years of stability and 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 honestly for the roman empire it's hundreds of years of stability where I, i don't know that it will last that long for the u.s uh just based on the current trajectory and and maybe technology just speeds things up naturally um where that sort of thing is is concerned like when i was in high school i was saying i thought like 75 years we would see the full collapse and uh 20 years later i'm thinking like maybe 10 if even that long uh, you know so it's it's Six really kind of <laughs> <laughs> depending on the day yeah so it's really kind of sped up but um like one of the things that i've been kind of thinking about and and on on the talking points of desantis is like if you look at Roman history, you have Julius Caesar, who is not like the great leader of the empire, right? Like he doesn't he doesn't necessarily come to power out of a desire for it. He comes to it out of a necessity to, for it because they push him to that point that he what else is he going to do, right? And he also is the DeSantis type figure in that he's he has been a part of that unit, like he. He is known. He is trusted. Like he is somebody that has been within, as well as now being pushed without. And and that's where DeSantis. I mean, granted, he's never been truly like within the way Caesar uh, Julius Caesar was, but he's had that similar trajectory of having been a part of it to being pushed out of it, and and being kind of forced into a position of. Uh, having to do things his way. So so then that kind of brings me to like, okay, you've got him and and whoever it is that's like the Julius uh, of our era, they're going to be the one that kind of like punches the whole thing in the face and resets stuff. But who's going to be the one that comes after that, that like actually brings on the Augustus era where you get to have some peace and prosperity for a time and and see the empire start to uh, have some success again and kind of level itself out and get some, some level of stability where they can get, where they can get the elites on. I don't necessarily think it's on the right track, but on a less wrong track to be successful. Let me just jump in here real quick. Cause I, cause this actually is pigeoning to an idea I was just thinking about yesterday. Um, so I think oftentimes when we talk about Roman history and we are making these illusions, um, we 
there's something missing here because so we 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 keep talking about taking power that you have to be able to take power. Julius Caesar Ju- Julius Caesar didn't take power. He just realized he had it. Like he mm. woke up one day and realized that because the Senate had become weakened by their own corruption and had broken so many of their own promises, that he was sitting with one of the most one of the most powerful, uh, experienced, battle hardened uh, legions in all of Rome who had just been screwed out of their promises for land ownership. And he used that and said, well, fuck it, we're going to Rome because I have the power. Like he just woke up one day and said, I, I mean, I'm, I'm using that as a, uh, as a illustrative narrative, but it's like waking, waking up one day and going, oh, no, no, I have the power all along. I have all this power. And they don't. So I'm going to just use it. <laughs> it's not, I'm not taking it. It's there. I, I already have it. So the question really is going to become, and I think that's more likely, Charlemagne did the exact same thing. Charlemagne didn't take power from the Pope. He just said, I have the power. You don't. You're going to do what I say, because if you don't, you're fucked. And that's it. End of conversation. Uh, That has been the consistent kind of narrative as we see through great men of time. Putin's doing the exact same thing right now, right? The reason why I said this very early on, when Putin was doing those speeches uh, and it seemed to be against the West and it seemed to be directed to the West. And my, uh, when I, you know, the empire of lies and that kind of thing, the first takeaway I had when the, when those, when those speeches was that he's not talking to the West. He's signaling to his in-group and his in-group is the BRICS nations and his in-group is, is other uh, uh, Eastern Europeans living in, in, in like the Eurozone. And he's telling them directly, he's like, look, which way, like, which way are you, you going to go? Because I'm offering this, and they're offering that, and this is and this is all there is. Like there is no third path, there is no other option, and I have power, and I'm going to use it. And watch me use this power, and it's, it's, it's what he's done consistently over the last six months. I I still just to sorry go into Putin land for a second. I'm still amazed. I'm having these conversations with people where I'm like, he's going to win this thing. They're like, no, he's not. Ukraine's going to launch this offense. I'm like. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> like, want to take? I took a bet with my, one of my friends, one of my blue pill friends. I'm like, oh, you give it six months. We'll see where we're at. Because he's using power. He's using the power that he already has. He doesn't take it. He has it. He has power over. He has he has energy power, and he's using it. So in the American context, I think in this, I don't know if Peter Thiel and Co have that ambient power sitting in their lap. I'm kind of thinking they do. And I think they do because they have both a psychological edge and a monetary edge. They're creating a parallel society, a parallel mimetic, uh, uh, creating parallel mimesis, which in a civil war scenario, in a, in a fifth gen warlike, warlike scenario, doesn't mean it has to get kinetic. It means that we can have a, uh, let's say, a, a national divorce without a divorce, where you can actually have a parallel society operating under one veil. And that, I think, is much more likely to happen. Because, and it won't even come down to states' rights. It's going to, be, it's, it's going to manifest itself in many other metaphysical ways because we're, we're dealing with actual metaphysics. So my complaint about Peter Thiel and all the rest of them, and I don't know really where their heads are at, but it's like, yes, you're here, but you're not going far enough. Like, there's a point with masters which I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And there's a missing point, uh, which maybe, and just I'm just going to add this on and 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 
and and and see where you go with this. Because it's the other thing I'm having that's going on in my mind is that the more I'm reading uh, Rose and Church Fathers from an Orthodox perspective, the more that I'm trying to make my worldview, my noose, and everything about me into Orthodoxy, the less I want them to be Orthodox. I don't mm. want masters to be Orthodox. I don't want this system to become Orthodox at all. I want them to pursue their, their means. I want their materialists to be materialist. I want them to continue on, and I, and I, and I hope that they don't just come from my child. Like, you know, or else we're going to have to go to war and, and then whatever, right? Uh, I'm prepared to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm good with God. So, but I don't want them to take this stuff because uh, I don't want them there because it's not for them. And, I'm, and, and I think that's the, the next step for us. And I know, Matt, you're, 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 you're nodding your head because I, 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 I know this is where our thought process is going. Where it's like, look, you can have the world, right? The world is a fallen place. Be fallen. Have the world. Be of, be, be of, you know, be in this world, but not of it. And that is our creed. It's like I'm now divorcing myself more and more and more from the expectations and the and the results of this thing. Where it's like, yes, I will support those who I do not think are in opposition or in conflict with my with with my with my future with my children but other than that i don't care man like have at it <laughs> well, you know dude, do, we're, we're starting build, to build, see build, that. Yeah. i mean we're starting to see here in the states some of that um divorce without a or yeah the divorce without without the true divorce like coming to fruition separation without that. divorce there we go that's the one um Funny, I did I did that for some years. Anyway, um, <clears throat> like New York and the governor Kathy, um, what's her face, saying that like if you're a MAGA Republican, you should get out of the state because we don't want you here. Uh, California Perfect. and Gav and Gavin Newsom putting out the ads, like basically pitching California to Florid to Floridians. Like those ads are not targeted at. DeSantis supporting Floridians. They're they're talking. Those are exclusively talking to the people who feel like they are trapped in some like red state hell and need to get out. He's saying, "Hey, come to us." While at the same time, like the people who feel like they're trapped in a blue state hell are fleeing California and going to Texas. Now, granted, some do of you want are... the freedom to shit on the street? Come over here. <laughs> you can shit over here. Look, you can shit over here. You can shit over here. Look, look at this spot. This, this spot has no shit in it. Shit and over here, please. And if you're really concerned about it, there's an app that will tell you where the shit is. So you can go find a spot where there is no shit, and then you can just add it into the app that you've shit here. And now everybody knows that that's your shit spot. Don't go shit there. There's the blue space. There's the blue space thing where it's like it's like you'll get fined for not for not picking up your dog shit. If you if you walk your dog on the street and your dog takes a shit on the ground, you'll be fined for not picking up your dog shit. But you could, if you're if if you're of a certain persona, you could take a shit right next to it and not get fined. So it's like maybe that's a trade off, right? Like you can t- <laughs> you can shit everywhere you want, just not your not your not your animals. And you just start doing something like identifying as their animal, and it's taking a shit, and it's like when they're when they're taking Almost a shit. No, no, this is just I'm, I'm just shitting for my dog. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm my other kin self is speaking for me, sir. And I, <laughs> 
it's just no, no. Be, be like, we're homeless, and this is my child. He identifies as a human child. I know it looks like a four-legged animal, but it's actually <laughs> my human child. I identify him that way, and it's okay because we're homeless, so he can shit here. Like, <laughs> you can't find us for this. <laughs> you gotta find them loopholes, man. Yeah, sure. You might think I'm selling fentanyl to 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 fifteen year olds, but I'm, what I'm really doing is selling fentanyl to fifteen year olds. <laughs> bigot yeah the uh the separation idea like I, it to me it's just kind of it's very clear that it's inevitable that there's going to be some kind of a breakup whether it's literal formal you know like like uh is legally inscribed somewhere that the breakup happened or if it's just functional where the states just begin operating separately i think where you're really going to start seeing recognizing it when it's coming to pass is when people start cutting losses where they're like, fuck it. I don't, you know, sunk costs is a sunk cost and we just need to part ways. I think that's the, that's kind of the, that's kind of the trajectory. It's, it's going to wind up some way along those lines. I thought it was interesting. One thing I learned in one of these pieces, I don't remember which one it was, was that uh, Peter Thiel spent a lot of time in uh, South Africa as a child. I hadn't known that. And so that means that he and Musk both have a personal interest in what's going on down there. Now, neither one of them really talks about it. So I don't know that it's immediately on their radar. But knowing both of those guys, I'm sure it's immediately on their radar. I'm sure they're tracking it. They're keeping an eye on it. Um, so that's just kind of another thing that, that, that goes into... I, like people that try to write Musk off as just being some kind of like idiot opportunist or just kind of like a, a mercenary or something like that. I the guy runs a lot deeper than that for me. I think that there's a lot more uh, deliberate strategy going on. I don't, I don't necessarily think he's he's pulling all the strings, but the, I, I just can't get rid of this thought that he and Peter Thiel are both closely personally acquainted. Um, they've done a lot of business together, and they both are flirting around the fringes of of this kind of activity. Um, but I, but you know, all of that being said, like I think that it's silly to see all of this and think that the 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 angle that you need to take here is trying to wrestle hold of the whole system and trying to redirect it in one way or the other, whether it's dissolving the federal government or you know whatever like just let the thing fall apart and just start positioning yourself angling yourself to take control of the pieces as the pieces break off like it's like a like a gigantic iceberg and it's going to eventually little pieces are going to break off of the main sheet and just position yourself to be ready that as soon as the piece starts to break off you push yourself away and you start paddling as fast as you can so to that point what What sort of, um, in the New York Times piece, I think I'm almost 100% positive it was the New York Times piece. It talks about that, like, uh, Peter Thiel and Masters both had some some level of position within the Trump administration early on. And they had attempted to push the Trump administration to to actually carry through with the, like, draining the swamp. Like, let's let's not just, like, take little baby steps. Like, let's go fuck the whole thing up. Like, don't just like, don't just put these people who are a little less terrible than the last guy, but put this person who's going to be like, 
completely radical in the other direction. Like really piss people off, really go in and just overturn the system, fuck the whole thing up, legitimately drain the swamp, and give them something that they've never seen before and never expected. And it was too radical for the Trump administration, and they didn't do any of it. And so, well, like, remember, and so then you was... get, and so then when you get from the Trump administration, what you get, whereas it's basically just like status quo with spicy tweets. And I mean, it. There were but some that, things that, that, that he I think did. That idea, I think that idea fell apart because of participation. Like, I remember, what, remember when when Trump first took office? I think this is kind of what they're alluding to. Uh, it was that they had that sort of he Trump said, "I want this committee of this round table of of elites, basically of of minds, to help inform me on on policy." I think Elon Musk was there, Peter Thiel was there, a few others were there, right? And it slowly just kind of fell apart because the pressure they were putting on Trump made it so that no one wanted their uh, very few people wanted their name associated with it. Uh, I remember Elon Musk broke ranks with it very early on. Uh, everyone else was, and, and it was all the excuses were like sort of like. Blah, 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 right? Well, like the t- the um, way the Times piece talks about it is that uh, like Masters and Teal, they were too radical for the group. Like they wanted to do things that that would legitimately piss people off. And rightly so, like that's what the administration should have done if they were going to be effective. But it was just so it was so far to that side of like really trying to to flip the status quo that um, it pushed people like, kind of like, turn people kind of against them. So like, have they have they learned lessons from that? And and in these, especially looking at like Masters and J.D. Vance and their. Uh, their campaigns in in winning their primaries and going into these uh, the general elections for for the Senate positions they're running for and the other dozen or so candidates that that Teal has backed and I, if I'm not mistaken I think all of them made it through their primaries and are moving to the general election in November so like I think have they learned time. some lessons from that. Uh, from like that early kind of failure, I guess, in the Trump administration to to taking a different approach now. I mean, right now he's tied. I think isn't isn't Masters tied in Arizona? He's like he's like he's like the polling is like forty five to forty seven percent. So within the within the within like error range, mm-hmm. uh, you might as well just call it dead heat. Uh, I know a, liber- a lot of liber- a lot of libertarians are trying to take credit, saying, "Oh, we're the deciding vote between the." T- Okay. <laughs> yeah, your your two percent is really going to make the big difference. Really, like it's okay, sure. The JD um, Vance race is is equally. It's like two percent different or something like that. And really, when you think about the way that the polls are structured, they're like the polls are intended to coach people into how to vote. So if they show as a dead heat, then probably Vance and Masters are assuming a, a legitimate election are probably ahead right now. I was going to say, generally speaking, if you just look at typical polling and the way they the way they kind of pull the polls, um, if they are polling roughly even, that means they're probably anywhere from six to eight points ahead. Uh, mm-hmm. if, like if you're being completely honest and, and it's not. There's Especially nothing. races like that that are very important. Yeah. The guy I turn to a lot for that kind of stuff is, is Dixon Hammer. Uh, as, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He's sort of like a. Yeah, he's 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 a, a bit of a, a legacy YouTuber. Uh, I I don't agree with all the stuff and blah 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 blah. But 
his analysis usually on the on the political level and his and his he dissects um polls i think better than anyone else because he, he, and he and he's done it consistently i've i've tuned into him before 2000 around 2014 he seems pretty consistent of going he's 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 a bit he's 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 our kind of autist where he's like he's just going to go systematically through like rasmutin all these other little polling systems uh you know I, for me i mean i'm a canadian who's living, who's living in australia so really a lot of this stuff to me is just brain candy like it's it's popcorn i don't care like it doesn't it's not going to affect my life that much really i mean downstream we could talk about downstream western effects uh but in media effects it doesn't matter to me so uh so a lot of my consumption of this is more um masturbatory in some senses <laughs> it's like i just kind of want to see one side win lose because fuck them um but i i think what's maybe this is where we can turn this conversation is that uh peter seals is 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 a student of gerard uh so is elon musk uh in the mother jones thing i'll just make this quote uh where they quote gerard without quoting gerard the most revealing thing of Thiel's 19 lectures though was master's favorite founders as victim versus uh, sorry founders victim founders god field told students that ancient societies resolved internal tensions by scapegoating thunder-like figures who were often worshipped before being sacrificed a circumstance that, that startup leaders also risked monarchy field speculated might have been might have risen when scapegoats figured out how to become kings and avoid the sacrificial altar wearing the crown is obviously an attractive thing field said the question is whether you can de- decouple it without getting executed he concluded that concluded with a plea on behalf of the would-be techno kings willing to break the rules. Maybe they are in some key way the most important. Thiel said, "Maybe we should let them off the hook." Now, this is an important paragraph in a few ways. One, it just highlights how Mother Jones is like this writer is complete is complete shit. Like, there's no point in that fucking paragraph. I don't know where to glom on. No, I'm serious. Like mentally, where I'm like, where what am I supposed to extract from this from this paragraph? Nothing. However. Because I'm, I'm a little bit of a student of Girard. Um, uh, this to me is very revealing. It's also, it's also kind of a. I don't know where the misreading is here because I have, I have, I haven't read these notes. If Theo is getting that out of the scapegoat mechanism, he's getting it. He's getting something wrong. I w- what I think is going on, and what the adverse effect of, of trump and trump-like figures are are is is a modeling issue what the left and what the wef and all those other guys do not want is rivalous models they want a congruous model of everyone following they want everyone to to, to model obama they want obama to be sort of or obama-like kind of figures to be the model and everyone to kind of get behind that and just follow that that's what they want. Having derivations off to the side of any other models needs to be excluded. So when they scapegoat Trump, it's not to uh, just get rid of his side. It's to make sure that no one else models the Trump method, which they failed. And now you're seeing a million Trumps. Like this goes to what were, were, uh, 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 Michael Malice once said, that, that Trump isn't the flood. He's the dam. If you get rid of the dam, now you have the flood. And now you have the flood of all these other people who are going to start taking these elements 
and modeling them. And when that modeling happens, God knows where you go, right? Uh, you're, you're, you're creating this new parallelism, which is to, I think, to a globalist order, the, the main enemy. Like that's the thing they don't want. They don't want options. They do not want a counter narrative. They only want one thing. And, and, Sorry, you just gave me you just gave me a whole bunch of thoughts. So, with I we were talking, we were, <laughs> thank you. We were talking just before this about the um, them showing up for with Trump's transition team, and then just realizing that they were kind of on the outs. They were way too too uh, too extreme, and it's like it's difficult to remember what it was like in 2016. 2016 was 2017, technically. With the transition team was a very different, incredibly different time. There is there is stuff that's out in the mainstream now that was not even comprehensible back then. I mean, like you don't get someone like Charles Haywood winding up on Tucker Carlson six years ago. That just doesn't like, and that's a mild example. That's just the first thing that comes to mind. So like, so when they were, they saw this coming. They're like, okay, maybe this is our opportunity. We've bottomed out through with Obama. They're just coming fresh off of Ferguson and, and all of that. They're like, all right, this is the bottom. We've hit the bottom. And now we've got Brexit. We've got Trump. This is where the tides are turning. So they're jumping on this. The startup guys see this as an investment opportunity. Let's go invest in this market. And as soon as they got into it, they realized, all right, this market isn't what we thought it was. We're pulling out, pulling out our investments. And we're going to go back and reconfigure this startup. And now we've gathered all of this data. And, and, and then they've spent the last six years or whatever watching how the market has been evolving. Gradually, we're getting an apocalypse here. We're getting a revealing, a revealing of the method where you're seeing the actual reality of what's going on behind the scenes. You're seeing how the system works. All and, things hidden shall be revealed. Yes. And these guys are the startup gurus these are the and and they're connected with you could see one of the guys that they recommended was for the for the head of the fda was balaji srinivasan big startup guy very close with naval ravikant big startup guy um uh there was another person as well um you've got tim ferris is directly connected with those with those people and a lot of those types of people there's there there are a ton of startup big money type guys in yes in the uh <laughs> god damn it Trey. there are there are a bunch of people in silicon valley who are very much sympathetic to this line of reasoning i mean you've got the, the like the yarvin y yarvin has been a household name in silicon valley for a while now people have been very keenly aware of him he's tapping into a sentiment that's already there but as i think jason it was what one of you guys said like they didn't want their names associated. People, there was people who didn't want their names associated with Trump because of who he was, but not just who he was, but when he was. The social cost of being associated with Trump in 2017, 2018, 2019 was tremendous. But the system has changed. It has adjusted. The culture has shifted dramatically. You can now endorse, like there's, we're on the freaking New York Times and they're just kind of in passing mentioning, oh yeah, this guy's a big fan of the Unabomber. Like, like you, we're at that point where what has become cancelable material in public has changed significantly. 
So that's going to lower the cost the for a lot of these other types piece, of people to get into the system. The Vanity Fair piece about the new right referred to the Unabomber as Uncle Ted. <laughs> yes, that's right. Right. Yes. So, I, like, I, I, which I took as a personal victory. Yeah. Like, yeah. Totally. So, like, so that's one of the things that I. If I kind you of find, name it, they will come. <laughs> that's one of the things that I kind of find really interesting about these pieces. Um, is they they talk about some of these like figures and people. They're and normalizing. Right. Models like behavior, Curtis Garvin, model, models, models' behavior are way more powerful than any other psyop in invention. Like the the one thing that the, the bitter white pill is. Sorry, I'm sorry, Justin, cut you off. It's your show. Okay. I should sh- shut the fuck up. <laughs> but the the bitter white pill that I keep experiencing is that all these people are human too. So if you go back to one of the earliest stuff, Mark and I were talking on the two bit podcast thing we do, uh, we kind of came up with this concept of grace and once my child becomes no longer two years old i will write these things down um but grace i i, I created this I, I didn't i didn't create it i we we are talking we're formalizing this concept of of material grace which is the combination of faith uh forgiveness and mercy and oh, i just forgot where i was going with this um i'm coming to it uh Shit! No, I just lost it. Fuck. Grace, forgiveness, and mercy. Grace, forgiveness, mercy. Uh, uh, we talked about that to get to talk about yourselves. I'll, I'll think about it. Sorry, okay. I just, I just, I just, I just totally lost that train of thought. Um, the thought, the thought that I'd had before that I was, I was trying to drive at. Maybe it'll remind you is that um, what I'm seeing now is that the startup guys are. The startup guys are 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 now have their sights set on a new market, and they're they're approaching it like it's a market for investment. And they're, I mean, what from the perspective of a libertarian, what better could it be that now you have people who are treating government like it's a business that you invest in? This is like the first step toward toward privatization. You've got the startup guys; they're the guys. Teal and Musk and Masters and some of these guys are the ones who have the who have the insulation within the system to put their necks on the line and be the first people to attach their name to these kinds of movements. Them doing that establishes the baseline for people to follow them. Now there is less social cost to be running a campaign that's explicitly talking about overthrowing the structure, the existing structure of the U.S. government and replacing it with something completely new. That's being openly discussed and talked about in a Senate campaign. And these these articles like Mother Jones and New York Times and stuff, they read to me like a like a cry for help. Like these people are recognizing that these are forces that they don't control and they're trying to use the same old weapons and the same old tactics against them. But in doing so, they're amplifying them. They're giving them power. They're normalizing them so that now you're going to get additional money, additional resources, additional investment, additional eyeballs coming from the cohorts of these guys who before weren't willing to put their name and put their money on the line, but now are like, yeah, fuck it. Let's 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 go. Let's get this started. Well, and that's, that's what I was going to say is like like Curtis Yarvin is becoming almost a household name mm-hmm. in these 
like progressive, more woke journalistic ventures. Like I have seen Curtis Yarvin mentioned now in Mother Jones, the New York Times multiple times, the Washington Post multiple times, Vanity Fair, uh, The Atlantic, like all of the left leaning big publications. I am seeing his name. And and the really crazy thing about it is uh, and maybe I need I need to go back and, and probably listen to the Friend or Fed Yarvin episode of, of Two Bit Podcast. But maybe it is um some sort of a controlled opposition type thing. But not not all of these situations where his name is being brought up are necessarily in a in a negative light. Like they try to twist it that way, but the way that all of them twist it that way is by attaching it to Trump. And when you, especially for anybody, not that I think that a lot of the typical readership of any of these publications are really all that um, intellectually curious, but if they are even minutely inter- intellectually curious, they're going to go and they're going to look at like the new right and they're going to find what uh, what Jonathan Hoke found when he wrote that that uh, Vanity Fair piece was that a lot of that new right is not really Trumpian. They are something completely different. Mm-hmm. And and whenever like whenever there are people at these uh, kind of very select inclusive meetings that were getting together and and having conversations and stuff, whenever somebody would get up there and be like really Trumpy rah rah, and like maga maga maga, they'd get a very lukewarm response if even that if if even that good. Um, so like this is a it's a it's a different thing. Like uh, the USA USA Today made a huge deal about the Trump endorsement of JD Vance, and having read and kind of looked into Vance quite a bit prior to that, I didn't see it as being a thing like Trump Trump saddled his horse to that wagon, not the other way around. Like mm-hmm. that, that wasn't JD Vance getting the Trump endorsement. That was Trump giving the endorsement. So it would look like he was successful by proxy. And, and like, that's a lot of what's going on in the new right. And, and I think by all of these different publications pointing to all of these different figures consistently, they're putting people on the radar of, a lot of a lot of readers who otherwise wouldn't be seeing that and and honestly i mean for the majority of them it probably just makes them feel even more pissed off against <laughs> towards the right but there there's going to be a a percentage that have read the atlantic since i don't know since the fucking like 70s because it was a respectable you know journalist who have read the New York Times forever, who have read the Washington Post forever because they are respectable, uh, you know, they're respectable newspapers. And they've worn out the buzzwords. So attaching attaching the buzzwords to them for these people is going to be meaningless. And if anything is going to make them more interested, you're going to be like, hmm, well, if they're calling him racist and sexist, then he must be saying something interesting. (laughs) Well, okay, so to go back to it, I kind of, I think I've figured out my thread with the grace thing is that, it's the the idea of injecting these ideas into this ever developing zeitgeist because the model, and I, I'll see how you guys feel about this because I think a lot of this the Caesar talk verges on cope, right? It's like when when 
queen dies uh, uh you know king charles iii is, is is anointed everyone gets kind of gets excited until we kind of look into what charles is all about and you're like this is not a good idea <laughs> this is not good <laughs> this is not is you have a wef president uh, king uh, enjoy um the idea is is this it's, it's like we jd vance master uh, masters all these guys Theo, have a lot more in common with each other than they do with us and i'm i'm calling so i, I make the dif- dis- distinction between like, let's say the elites and the hammernegers i'm the hammernegers crowd uh i'm a you know i my job my day-to-day job is as a as a groundskeeper at a, at a daycare <laughs> i drive a tractor uh my relationship to any of these people is is theoretical at best uh they do not speak for me they're not of me they're not ever going to be of me the best we can hope for is that they're going to leave me the fuck alone uh or or allow me to exist in a way that uh give me rules that i can go okay i can operate in those rules this is kind of what i i, I keep I always bring back to, to the singapore example and singapore is brought up in both these articles quite a bit is that I would prefer a Singapore model, not because of the Singapore model per se, but I would prefer having a system that says, these are the rules, you can, you can do this or you can do that, and if you do this, this is what happens. Like, I would much prefer that. Uh, I think this is where people de- default to monarchy, and I, I, I want actually, I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say about this, because I think there's a lot of copium with the Caesar thing where we're looking for a savior outside of a system. And again, I, maybe I didn't voice this properly or I'm, I'm still trying to figure this out. In my own personal uh, world, I'm moving towards an orthodox point of, point of view, which is like I'm divorcing myself to a, to a greater degree from the materialistic whatever happens. At the same time, I'm tethered to it. And I'm, I understand that, that my day-to-day condition is going to be is going to be affected by it so i am uh interested in it uh, obviously I, I i i do want to affect it if i can uh so that then the question is okay whatever that thing is whatever that caesar is whatever that whatever that that new model will become that's our job is to kind of try to influence that in any way we can yes but that thing is beyond us. Yes. It's not going to be us. It's never going to be. It's never. It's never going to reflect us or be a one-to-one of us. And to try to make it that is not only just a fool's errand. It's suicidal. Like it's it's a waste of energy. Yeah, uh, that was that was yeah. a really well way of saying what I was trying to say earlier. Talking about the really because I stumbled the fuck through that. <laughs> yeah, no, that made that made it really clarified it for me what I was trying to say. That essentially, if you're looking at like the reason people are, are honed in on the Caesar is because they've recognized this pattern throughout history that that in these kinds of times you call it a Bonaparte or um, or a a Charlemagne. Like in times when this historical cycle comes around, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And so the rhyme means that there's going to be some significant figurehead who steps in. And essentially builds the new civilization out of the ashes of the prior one. And so then the question, it's really a matter of who is that going to be and what's his, how is he going to do it? What's his, what's his, uh, like, what color is he going to be, so to speak? And the, 
what you you really hit on what I was trying to say, which is that if you think that that guy has to agree with you on everything or has to represent your perspective, then yeah, that's cope. That that Caesar is not going to show up. That's never how that Caesar shows up. It just the that type of your ideology doesn't lend itself to Caesarism. With the, what you're looking for is you're looking for a an enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of situation. That's the, that's that's how this kind of thing works its way out. There's going to be an enemy of your enemy, and he's going to become your friend by default. And then the question is, does he eventually become your enemy, or are you able to influence him? And by him, I mean the role. I don't mean the individual person because we're talking probably generations of development here. But are you able to influence that Caesar? Whatever the form is, whoever he is, however, are you able to influence him in the in the direction of your own values? And how do you do that? You do that by be by being kingpilled by by um, putting yourself in the position economically, socially, culturally, and um, and 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 spiritually to be able to have the greatest influence possible on your on your your society and whatever structure it winds up. Always be so just, just, just to build on, just to build on that, right? Because, like, I think, I think this is the, the so. What led me to this kind of realization? I, I, I oftentimes have instincts or impulses that I have to kind of figure out, like downstream of it. Um, but one of the things that kind of was the aha moment to me was the idea that we are all orthodox. What well, on our death. Right, the one of the orthodox ideas of, of death is on our death, we'll be unveiled by by the, by the living embrace of God, and the question is how how closely aligned we are to that spirit. The closer we are aligned to that spirit, the more we will accept that spirit and be in heaven, right? Be in accord to it. The further we are from that spirit, we'll be in hell. Right, we'll be. It's it's all one love. It's all one thing. So so it's not a it's not a derivation. It's not like two separate things that we are existing. It's more of like what have you, where have you, where you know how how have you healed your soul? How how have you incorporated yourself to the whole? And the closer you are to the whole, the better you will be. When when you encounter God, do you experience His love as heaven or hell? Exactly, right. And I think that's just, if, if we take that to a materialistic realm, it's like when we're when we're we're presented with this collapse with with this apocalypse. We are when we are an apocalypse. All things hidden shall be revealed. Right. What's amazing to me, and we've covered this on the show with Mark on the weekly show quite a bit. Is how amazed I am how they're just telling the truth because they because they can't help themselves. It's not a, it's not a ploy. It's not a it's not a design. They're not they're not telling the truth because of a of a reason. There's there's no there's no uh, there's no forty chess here. They're doing it because they, they're com- they're compelled to do it. And there's a metaphysical com- compulsion to the truth, where all these things are being revealed. We can say it's hubris. We can say it's all things. I think it's actual because we're in this predictable period of apocalypse where all things will be revealed. And as they're, as they're being revealed, then it's up to us 
to to accept it or reject it or to build with it or to do whatever you want with it but the the the, the facts are the facts like uh I, I i'm very very curious of how the how we're going to start incorporating some of these things uh i think we're in this weird nowhere zone where we haven't really dealt with these things yet but these things are being dealt with like they're these things are nascent like you're, you're gonna have to deal with COVID. like it's 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 gonna happen uh you're gonna deal with 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 uh with vaccine deaths you're gonna deal with it like it's these things are happening and i want to see i'm very curious to see how the the modernist mind incorporates these ideas because i think that's what's going to happen it's it's either going to be rejection or incorporation and I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know which way Western man goes. All right. So I wanted to. I wanted to connect something that Matt said. Um, I don't want to turn this into like a, a post-libertarian thing, but one of the things that you had mentioned. It already is. <laughs> I know. Anything that I do has that has that tilt to it. Um, one of the things that you had mentioned was either you're going to like reject the power or you're going to find a way to incorporate it. And that that's over the last like eight to 10 months. That's been the thing that has caused me to uh, disconnect from like lib- libertarian politics was this whole like neither right nor left, like identifying both as the same type of enemy. Like what it's it's wrong. Like it's it's completely wrong. Like obviously, if you lived in a red state, even if you lived in a red state with the worst possible fucking governor you could imagine, like uh, does, or fuck, what's his name, Holcomb here in Indiana, like he went full lockdown in 2020. Like he did not hold back at all. You you would have almost thought that we had a Democrat governor, just the way he he locked everything down. And then he also closed all the schools and then he also disbanded the state legislature and didn't let them come back into session. Like he just declared totalitarian emergency power and canceled everything and said, I'm the king dick and I get to say what goes on. And he took a full leftist tilt on it. Um, even with that being the case, I had an infinitely better life than anybody who lived in New York or California or even fucking right across the state lines in Illinois. Like, even with that. So, so like, if you can come out of 2020 and 2021 and say, okay, the left and the right are both equally the bad guy, I, like, your, your, your brain is damaged. I don't know what else to say. Like, and, and in, with that, like when you look at masters, especially when you look at masters um, in the in both pieces, really, like both the, the Mother Jones and the New York Times piece, like they dig into his his college, like libertarian days and, and a lot of the things that he was writing and saying and thinking at that time. And you see the progression. When he was five years old. They moved to a golf course. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's literally in one of the I think that's in the, the Mother Jones. Mother piece. Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they literally say, say that. To a gated community near a golf course where his father was a programmer, his mother was a educational. What? But, the fuck are you so, so, but like when you look at his progression, like 
like you were saying at the beginning, Matt, like it's the same progression that I went through over the last two and a half years, two years. Uh, shit, not even oh, that. Oh, dude, when I was, I was when I was reading the Mother Jones point, I was, I was like, hey, Matt, this you? Like, it's like, it's like <laughs> <laughs> Matt, are you, are you Blake Masters, Matt? <laughs> Matt, are you Blake Masters? I had a very kids well, in the like, hall yes, kind of moment. Carlos, I would it, say where? that coming out of nine eleven. The right absolutely got it wrong. But if you had yes. asked me, if you had asked me on 9-12 or 10-12, if the right got it wrong, no. Okay, but we define the right, though. Hang on, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, wait. that's what define I was going to say. Define the right. Define the right. There so here's the right. most amazing thing that, that's, that's happened to me over the last... Jordan Peterson, Curtis Jarvin, even I'll put Cyprian in there, uh, and Matt and a few other people, and then and then where I'm at right now. My idea of what the right is is completely different than I think what normie conservative anything wants to consider right. Like I look, at, I look at most people who say I'm in the right. I'm like, no, you're not. You're right. Not. When I was when I was in college and was the youngest uh, county representative at the state Republican convention in Kentucky in 2004, what I considered the right at that time is a completely different thing from what I consider the right today and completely different thing from what the right actually is today. In fact, like they're okay. You know, let's, 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 but hey, hey, let's do this right now. Uh, let's define the right uh, between the three of us. What is the right? What is, what is a functional definition of right wing? And I'm not talking like fantasy politics or fantasy, you know, whatever. I'm talking like, what is, what is a, functional reality what, what we sell normies of the right is because because i think what most people think the right is is just conservative and that's not what we're talking about. and we're not and, and then they go well you're talking about far-right fascism no right it's like it's like talking about monarchy to most people they go, and I've, I've had this happen people go well you're talking about dictatorship I'm like no well no yes but and yes <laughs> like it, it kind of but no, but yes. Uh, well, and that's and like think, when, when when Carlos brings this up, saying the right and the left, you like emergency powers, both use it for different reasons, but they're wrong. Uh, okay. But if we want to take just strictly off of that, if we look at the two very like glaring examples of the right and the left using emergency powers and using it wrong, the right used emergency powers in the situation of a terrorist attack, regardless of what, history may have told us actually happened on that day the right used the used the power in response to a terrorist attack to secure the country from outside threat the left used largely i mean yes um trump was in the white house at the time and we can go into semantics of how much uh outside influences had on him with what his COVID response was. But if you look at the worst states in terms of response to COVID, and then you push forward and look at 2021, and as soon as Biden came into office, the way that the Democrats responded to COVID pushing through the entirety of 2021, like the way that they used their power, that wasn't about keeping people safe. That was about expanding their power and pushing their own influence and force on people to do whatever okay. the fuck they said because they said it. Not it did it like they didn't even have the they pretended to have the pretense of safety, but 
it was never about this. Let's cut there was through never this. Anything let's, that, that that resembled safety in what the Democrats did. So, but like, again, we're, we're still we're, we're still with it. We're still in the liberal frame. Let's cut through this, right? Let's let's go to to isn't odd, right? Let's say that right wing, and I'm not, and, and I, again, ultimately this, this comes out of a value statement, and I'm, I'm going to try to divorce it from an absolute value statement, because uh, I don't, because because then people go, well, you're just championing one over. Let's say the the right wing is is, and the left wing is ought, and we can have we can make an argument for both, right? Both can be valuable in their own place, but the is right now is winning out out, out over the oughts. Because the is 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 prescient. The is is like I'm deciding to pay for gas or food today. That's the is, and that's why the right wing is. That's why the the, the insurgency or the, the pendulum is swinging to to the right wing, for for lack of a better word, because the because the actuality, the 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 lived reality, not the theoretical wondering what could be, but the actual is of the moment. Is right wing, and that's while I think we're going to see multiple models of Donald Trump was just one what was one derivation, and I think Donald Trump was was still very much Hollywood and very much produced. As we start getting towards much more authentic versions of this, JD Vance is is is, is one more der- derivation. Ivy League still very much elite, but now talking. Um, no talking pleb, right? Talking is what is like. What is the situation on the ground? What is because what again the the bitter white pill for me is that they're still using these mechanisms. If elections meant nothing, literally nothing at all, they wouldn't do this. Uh, Putin doesn't do this. Putin doesn't make shows like Hillary Clinton's doing, like of, of being a firefighter and like. Being like the first woman, like Putin wouldn't do that. <laughs> like he would never, it would never even cross his fucking mind to do that. Because he's like, no, I am power. I am power. I do, right? Uh, Xi Jinping, I am power. I do. Stalin, I am power. I do. Everything flows from me. I don't give a shit what you think. I do. And. That's what's going to start happening in the West. You're going to, I think, you're going to start seeing, and no matter how much they, 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 they the liberal idea is is, is to dis, to d- disperse enough power to the institutions that everyone gets fed with that power. The right wing idea is to concentrate that power where we where we starve out all the all all the the lesser beings, right? Where it's like. No, one person gets fed. This is a this this is this is the trough. This is where it's going, and fuck everyone else. That's that's left right distinction now, uh, for lack of a better for for lack of a better terminology. So, the only question about what's left, what's right, is do is this is the person you're saying is right wing? Are they going to take complete and total control? Or aren't they? If they're not, and this is what Yarvin's talking about, there's completely hyper-legal ways for the executive to take control of, of the Fed and all, all these other things. If they're not doing that, then they're not right-wing. They're something else. 
I'd say that that in the history of America, there's been very little right wing energy. America was founded as a radically left wing country relative to its time. And and it continued that way for the majority of its history. Um, I'd say probably the least like influence that any sort of right wing thing has ever had on it was from the mid 60s, 70s up until now, essentially. There's been no right wing energy to speak of whatsoever. Um, so like the the 9-11 response wasn't a right wing thing. This was this was the um this was two faux, one faux left wing, one faux right wing um party, both captured by a single globalist ideology that was setting them up as as um as ostensible enemies, but really just to create the appearance of some kind of a debate or back and forth when there really was none. The outcome was predetermined. And this is a product of the rise of the national security state coupled with um, the the real big propaganda machine that built out of the CIA and everything through the 70s, 80s, 90s. Like Americans didn't realize they were possessed in the way that they were possessed. And many of them still don't. They don't like they've been living in an artificial reality for decades. So, yeah, there has there has been no big right wing influence on America for at the least decades, I'd say closer to centuries. And what we're seeing now is kind of the beginnings of kind of a a, a building of energy around these kinds of ideas. I mean, we're talking about like centralization to the level of monarchy. That's a that's something that hasn't been talked about in America for a long time. Well, like to that, like, like the propaganda type stuff, like all three of us at some point in our youth knew that the Middle East was a threat to attack the U S at some point, like it was going to happen. We knew that it was going to happen because we had been, we had been propagandized, whether it was Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Sam Harris, like, we knew we knew that the attack was coming. We knew that they were going to come after us at some point. Like and honestly, if you look if you look like historically, if and I know like Scott Horton and plenty of others have talked at infinitum about this, like if we just left them the fuck alone to their own devices, like they'd have just spent they'd have just spent fifty years killing each other off and We'd have never even been like on their radar at all. And oh, you know, the, the, the biggest mistake that the Americans made there was I'll just say this quick. The biggest mistake that the Americans made in those countries was not explicitly ruling them. They went in and they ruled them while pretending that they didn't. That's what sparked the blowback. If they'd gone in and they occupied them and they ruled them and they said, You are a you are a satellite state for us. We're the ones who run the show. We're the ones who are in power, they would have been like, All right. Like go okay. ask go ask the average person on the streets of India or something today what they think of Britain. They're like they're 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 downright anglophiles. They're they were like, ah, right, you guys, you know, your 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 thing is great. Like we want to be like America. We want to be like like the West. That's how if you explicitly ruled them, then they wouldn't resent you for it. But America didn't explicitly rule them. They propped up fake rulers and 
undermined the rest of the structures of their society. And that's why all the resentment and everything was there. Well, also, also the fact that, 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 uh, piss ass, nothing, uh, Protestantism, uh, leads to, to, to an automatic rejection in, in, in the, in the, in the, in the Muslim world. If you take a, a much more hardcore, even Roman Catholic or Orthodox stance, Roman, one of the most amazing things that, I've, that has happened over the last two years of being, uh, of, of me reintroducing myself to the, to, to the Orthodox Church and accepting Orthodoxy is it's noticing how similar we are to, to Islam and how the connections to Islam are not, I mean, again, this, that, the other, but fundamentally we're the same. And fundamentally, we can build those roads, and we can we can say, "Hey, my brother's my brother." We we can, yeah, okay, fine. We can, we can have these disagreements, but I don't care because what we're trying to build is a principled order of being, right? To 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 create being in this world, uh, which again is my is my crossroads to Evola, is that being is 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 outside of time. That being, right? Whether you ascribe it to to Judaism or, or orthodoxy or whatever have you doesn't matter to me so much as the actual essence of being. Th- that is, is supernatural. That is metaphysical. That is something that that is is of us and beyond us at the same time. That's what we're building towards. That's the kingdom of God. You know, all 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 other things are temporal and, and meaningless. It's like okay, sure, uh, right wing, left wing. Uh, we're this guy, this guy. We're, who gives a shit? Like it's like, are we deepening people's commitment to the essence of 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 humanity, of being, or aren't we? If we're not, then everything else to that left hand path, or everything else that is not that, can be excluded out of hand. Those those things are not of us, and that's kind of what I, w- I was getting to. Where I was like. I almost don't want these people to incorporate some of these ideas because they're not ready. Like it, it, it might work in a materialistic political frame, but it doesn't work on a spiritual frame, and it doesn't work in my frame. Like I'm happy to support anyone on a on a on a, on a yeah, we'll vote this and we will get these things passed, so so my kid doesn't have to get you know become a, become a, a, a zipper chest, but. Which is which? Which is a a, a a immediate concern to me, but as as a spiritual longevity legacy concern, I don't give a shit. Like you're you're part of this or you're not. Like it's like there's a there's a much bigger thing happening. As my daughter is making noise in the background, is she that is beautiful singing? As far as I'm concerned. She it's much better rap than Clint's ever cable of. So. <laughs> I say it's better than Blake Masters rap too. That was pretty bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. If we're if we're it's, gonna, it's, if, it's my liturgy, man. It's my Saturday liturgy. If we're gonna talk about bad raps, yeah, like um, Masters kind of had. I didn't. Out, I was, didn't see the Masters rap. However, I have seen the Clint Russell fucking. Uh, what was it? What is it? He's like. Oh, at the like national a, convention. I erased yeah. that from my memory. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> it's 
remnants remain. Derivations, primitive der derivations remain in my brain. Yeah, the master's rap was pretty bad, but his uh, his writing was pretty good. So, so he can be forgiven. Um, oh, man, like we've gotten into a lot of a lot of stuff that's a lot deeper um, than what I had initially expected with the with just the the general conversation here. Uh, let's let's kind of bring it back a little. Go bit. deeper, deeper. <laughs> I can't. Look, I can't take that because I think that's going to be the tagline for for Mark Claire's new show. So we're deeper, gonna him, we're going to let him. We're going to let him hold on to that for now, since that's all he's got going for him. He um, needs to cut that. Just get Jason. Just get Jason going deeper, deeper. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's bring it back around to Masters. Just it's, it's my answer to, Ad, to Adam Patrick actually, because Adam Adam was was sent me a message. You want to go deeper? Like. Deeper, <laughs> deeper, Adam. We go deeper. Oh, I just saw in my memories uh, my episode with him about a year ago just popped up within the last couple of days, and that was actually a decent conversation. We talked about some some pretty cool stuff. Um, so so with Masters, how do y'all feel about just looking at the primary or um, well the way the primary went, and then how the general election is kind of going to go. <laughs> Apparently Carlos has got a, a lube now. So uh, really? if you're going to be going <laughs> that much deeper, you probably need to invest in some Paloma Verde lube. Uh, go over to PalomaVerde.com and check that out. PalomaVerdeCBD.com. CBD.com. I'm not sure what the discount will be for the lube, but um if you send yeah. Carlos an email, he will let you know. I'm sure. Like 10, 10 to 20 percent. <laughs> so what are what are what are y'all thinking on Masters in terms of how the primary went initially, and then how the general is going to go? I, I know we you know we talked about kind of the the polling and and how that's looking is pretty polling wise. It looks to be kind of dead even. So number one, does he win? And number two, if he wins, what does that mean? My my prediction is that he, in a straight up election, he would win, but it's not going to be a straight up election, and he's going to lose with um, very blatant, clear examples of, uh, shall we say, voter squad, and that's going to be a flashpoint. That's what do you I'm think. That's do you think that's still going to be? Um, do you think that? that's still going to rear its head in Arizona. Like they had done, they had done quite a bit, but I, like I know with, with Carrie Lake, there was some uh, chicanery going on in terms of her primary and stuff. But like, is that still going to be a, a major issue in the general well, election, mail, even after mail, the stuff mail, that they've done over the last year and a half or so? Mail and ballots are, are, are the magical gift from God, right? Like you can send as many ballots in who knows. Like I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think any any election has been legitimate, really, ever. Uh, I think you're you're always using outside. No, but I'm serious. I'm, I'm not even. No, I like, did an episode on this where I said I don't think anything since uh, I don't think anything since Dwight Eisenhower was actually legit. Like, once you have the media, once you have the media on board, I, 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 I would maybe go. JFK and like JFK and Trump. I think were the only two that had. We talking about JF JFK was elected, but was was put in by by the, by the mafia. I I watched I watched the uh, the Irishman. I know what's what's going on. 
Yeah, but um, I consider that legitimate. Like he was put in by people outside of the who had uh, legitimate legitimate concerns. Hey, long hey, live the money. That's right. Hey, <laughs> he was hey. put in by people other than those in the well, guys, establishment. Like he was he wasn't the establishment choice. He was the mafia choice. Like that's why I consider it a legitimate. Now, and now, as my co co-host Mark said, like that the the the, the majority just merge with the mafia and the, the, the two things are the same thing so you know uh it's all the mafia choice now uh yeah look i i, I think all all elections are both Ill- illegitimate and legitimate at the same time they're illegitimate because they're, they're usually made by illegitimate means if you have a media apparatus you have if you have any kind of uh way of influencing votes it becomes illegitimate uh at the same time it's legitimate because 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 the because the office itself is legitimate. So as long as the presidency is considered a legitimate position, it's legitimate. You, you got it there. It doesn't matter if you, if you it doesn't, it doesn't matter how you got it. <laughs> it's, it matters that you're there. Right. Uh, if you're, and, if you, if you lost that just because you didn't play dirty enough. <laughs> right. right. Sure. And, and, and fair enough. Uh, that being said, like, so, Again, this is this goes back to my my statement is like I don't want them in my personal politics. I have I have two politics. I have the impersonal and the personal. The impersonal is sure. You know, I I have this advantage of being a Canadian living in Australia, uh where I I I don't have a Australian citizenship. I can't vote. I don't want to. It's it's an it's a nice it's a nice it's a nice place to be. Uh I I don't care. You know, I I, I I pay attention to the idea that if they're sort of evicting Canadians, I, I I'd start caring. But other than that, I don't give a shit. Uh, if somebody if somebody ran on a platform of Canadians are going to be kicked out of Australia, then you're going to vote for the other guy. But the thing is, I can't vote. So sure, yeah. Even yeah, though I'd be, yeah. I'd be like, oh, legally. that sounds bad. Le- yeah, right. Legally, right. can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the way the way I see it is that first of all. Uh, this is a big point for uh, Masters in the primaries that he hit on the incumbent, the Republican incumbent, or the or the, the other major Republican guy. I don't remember if he was a recumbent, or if he was an incumbent or what, but he hit on the other major Republican guy for being a squish on Voter Squad, and that was a big thing that 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 uh, got him on people's radar. So it's already a major issue for him, and um, and then. Arizona was like ground zero of some of the worst parts of it. And I don't see what the benefit would be in allowing him to be elected. I think that from the regime perspective, someone like him winning an election, being legitimized in a purple state would be just, I mean, think about the pl- the. That would be completely resetting the bar now, because once he's been elected, now you can say this guy is like openly talking about monarchy and 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 like rubbing shoulders and teeing with Uncle Ted, and he's getting elected. He's getting elected in a legitimate democratic vote, which is I mean the way that they would see it. That type of thing can't be allowed if they want to retain their own legitimacy and that sort of thing like that's going to move the narrative forward faster than they can maintain it in my opinion so i don't see them allowing him to just get elected 
just all hunky dory and oh well we lost i guess you know we got to move on i I think that it's going to end up being a major flashpoint because also if he doesn't get elected if he loses in a straight-up election then that's a big deal for the 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 future of the movement that he's kind of spearheading right now so they both have an incentive for that to become a flashpoint this points towards why why Yarvin is doing the pearl purple thing. Why is he going on Young Turks? Why is he making these overtures? Right, right, right. And what he's his one of his main messages has always been: We're not going to get rid of you. We're not going to kill you. We're not going to get like we're not going to eighty six you. We'll pay you off, right? Because right? it's, it's, be, it's just it's, be, it's just peeling off people, just peel people away from that core, undermine their confidence just enough. And why we need guys like Yarvin? And this is my point. I was saying like we're he's not us right he's not talking to us mm-hmm. i mean I, and I, I, i'm including you guys in, into me like i you know I agree. whatever but but it's 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 like he's not us but we need him mm-hmm. to tell them to not kill us because <laughs> right. because because the because because what we're into if we if we look, if we look at this into a girardian sense uh we've had this so Gerard has a, his idea of a, of a, 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 a sorry, mimetic rivalry. The closer people are to each other, the more you're going to have conflict uh, because they see themselves in the same, and then the, then there becomes a conflict over resources, whatever have you. What we've seen over the last twenty years, especially, is that the, is that the elite class has been realizing that they're not that elite; that there are people from like. Uh, truck drivers like Tommy Sammons can can do more research and can do more thinking and can outthink them and get more of a following. Joe Rogan is, is a classic example, right? Joe Rogan, meathead, barely call, finish, you know, finished college, but who gives a shit? Uh, you know, uh, uh, MMA guy, comedian, has the most successful platform ever, outperforming everything. That they don't like. Then it's not that it's not that we're the problem. It's that we are the focal point of this of this of this of, of this of, of this division. They want a new division. They want to make sure the elites are the elites, and everyone else is the everyone else. And this is what we're seeing. It's a very clear example of why they're they're cutting off power to, to why well, they're charging nine thousand pounds to the average uh, 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 cafe in Britain. Because the elites don't give a shit about power costs. They don't. They don't, they don't pay that. They don't. They don't concept that. They just print more money and pay it. Like that's the divide, and they. The divide is more important than anything else because it 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 plays into that into that mimetic rivalry, which is like if you have the closer you get to to uh, to stasis, the more you have all against all violence. The more you're going to have all against all competition they don't want all against all they want all against one so they'll scapegoat trump they'll scapegoat these other guys they'll put all the all the energy over to some or over here and say all your problems are because of putin or because of trump or because of this or because of that uh the major problem we're having right now is there's no catharsis so we blame we blame putin but we kind of all know where our energy problems are coming from we blame trump we all don't kind of know where our, our, our political problems are coming from. There is no catharsis. It's broken down. It's breaking, and it's 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 becoming a problem for them. 
and that's where the inroad for uh, for Thiel and all the rest of them are, is becoming apparent because they, they can they can they can go well. There's another way. We don't blame anyone. We just we just harness that energy and, and, create, and create a new thing. Yeah, that's that's the direction that I see things going. Is not eventually some big all-out conflict or um, kind of less dramatic than a lot of people are anticipating. What I'm what I'm kind of expecting is that the there's going to be a a gradual loss of credibility and competence among the regime this the central regime people right now as they're just a, just a loss of faith in them as they become very clearly like incompetent strange um rabid weird ideologues and people are just like i'm not i don't i don't want anything to do with this you know have 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 at it but we're good and what's essential is that there be some kind of a competent, um, compelling, masculine alternative that people can turn to and say, you guys, I don't have a problem with you personally, but you're just kind of weird and I'm going to ride with these guys. And as long as that alternative is credible and and deeply entrenched enough, then the people who are in it, who aren't necessarily rabid ideologues, who are just in it for the money, they're really just trying to increase their own wealth, power, and influence. They're going to notice the winds of change. They're going to notice when, thing, when things shift. And they're going to, you're going to just suddenly funding for certain projects isn't going to be there anymore. And there's going to be. And who a- better? And honestly, and who better than the, the, the Ubermensch who funded. PayPal and Facebook and this and that and the other thing who is I, here's the question is Peter Thiel gay or just or just or just just fuck guys hmm that's an interesting question right? yeah no I know and, and initially you, you, it's it's funny but then you think about it because you know was was were, were a lot of Caesars was was Augustine gay or do you just fuck guys? Because he mm-hmm. could. Cause he could. I don't yeah. Know, fuck was he just a, was he just a pitcher? And he Mike Tyson. Mike pitch. Tyson. I just I just can't stumble upon this. It was an old uh, clip from uh, from Joe Rogan. But Mike Tyson once once made the comment like, "I'm going to fuck you till you love me." To a, to a reporter, it was the most dominant alpha fucking statement you can possibly make to someone. But it makes it puts you into that in that mind frame. It's like, are are they homosexual? Is it out of love? All right. Are we talking about James Gentleman kind of thing? Are we talking about an aggressor who's like, no, nah, I'm going to fuck you till you love me. I'm going to, I'm going to fuck you because you don't, you, you don't want me fucking you. But I'm going to fuck you. <laughs> I, I, know maybe, I, maybe that's where, I know I was part of the group chat somewhere that, that, that that was brought up. It was like, like, like some guys just have that like mentality of like, I'm just going to straight up like literally fuck you to death. And and like that's that, that's a that's an interesting. <laughs> it's funny. He's like this soft-spoken kind of nerdy guy with a bit of a poochy belly and stuff. And so then like, like is he hiding a like a a rabid domination monster under there? I can see it. I can see it. I mean, look, 
there's, there's got to be. Look at the things he's put his money into. Look at the things he's put his backing into. Like the dude clearly is not dumb, and the mm-hmm. dude clearly is. Um, he, he is of a mentality to capitalize on the things that give him power, to give him money, to give him influence, that put him in a position to. And that please him. And that please him. Yeah. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting because a pleasure model, and this is the biggest I think this is the biggest decoupling from the last three hundred years we have to address is the pleasure model of of the libertine or so liberalism is based on libertine like came came out of is a more formal, dressed up, acceptable version of, 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 of the libertine kind of mindset. Which is vitality, which is vitalism, which is this sort of positive nihilism, this idea of, of of all that is the body is is good, and we should you know absolve all sins through the body. Uh, pleasure is, is great. We, we see this in in fascism. We see this. This this is the this is the big connection, right? This is the overarching connection. We say it's liberalism, but I think it's deeper than liberalism. It's not just liberalism. It's vitalism. It's it's we're, again we're going back to Genesis three. G- Genesis three. We're going back to where these terms didn't exist, and the this this spirit constantly uh, shows up and inhabits these forms. So it's not communism that's the problem. It's the spirit that inhabits communism. It's the spirit that inhabits fascism. It's liberalism itself. It, it went. Uh, this is my pushback against uh, uh, against Adam Patrick. Sorry, Adam, but I don't think that the uh, that the enlightenment was a mistake. It's just a transference of energy. It's where the energy goes. We can say it's Gnosticism. We can say it's this. We can say it's that. There, are, it's that's all true and valid. It's all true and valid. But the spirit behind it is not incumbent to these forms. So even if we squash out communism, we kill we kill fascists, we kill these we kill these forms, the spirit remains, and we'll take a new host. Uh, and 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 this we go well, we have to destroy the spirit. It's like no, you don't. You have to accept it. You have to move past it. You have to build you have to build a, a process that protects you and your progeny as much as you can from it. Uh, you have to cast out demons and devils as much as you can, but also realize that this is part of the process. And we and we are we are we are part of this, you know. It's so I think that's some one of the things that like the, the like the the purest libertarians don't seem to understand. Whenever we like from a more post libertarian type of a position, start talking about like power and, and the way that sort of stuff works, like you 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 never remove power, you never crush it. Like it just transfers from one to another. Like it, it's. It's the concept of energy. It, it's always going to exist. You're, you're never going to destroy it. It's just going to transfer to the next available host. Um, I, I feel like I know Matt's got to get out of here. So I want to kind of wrap up a little bit and stay um, in. Stay in. <laughs> let's, let's get him out of here and we may have to do a follow up and talk, talk a little bit more about this, especially with stay the, in with the, the Pablo Verde of, Lube. The idea of the transfer of power and and the way that kind of works, especially the way we're seeing it work in in modern society and stuff like that. So yeah, be sure to head over to CBD, uh, PalomaVerdeCBD.com and get all of your uh, power lube. And then uh, Matt... Promo code Ting. Honestly, 
Matt, you should maybe uh, stretch out to to Adam for this. So I think there's, I think this is Adam and I were have these these cross conversations on Twitter, uh, and I, I honestly think Adam might think I'm an I'm, I'm an idiot, and he's not wrong, but but I think there's this is the overarching theme. Like this is how we get out of this into orthodoxy, like into mm. true what is true orthodoxy, not just a a belief or a system or a practice, but a but a noose, like a, an actual worldview that we can inhabit, right, and we can live, and yet understand there's this other thing happening hmm. that we we that we are in parallel to parallel parallel mimesis. This is where we are we are in two worlds, right? Two realities that are that are that accept each other as absolute realities, but are are operating for for different in different ways. It doesn't. I think I'm, I'm trying to make that make make sense, uh, and I'm probably failing horribly. But because I'm having most of that without, without orange juice, uh, whatever. But, but but anyways, yeah. Say your thing. We'll, we'll, we'll sign up. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm uh... I'm tracking with you. I think that this is a this is an interesting angle to go. I've had some a couple interesting conversations re- recently with uh, with Josiah about um, shout out Josiah Bartlett, Sudoku Politburo on Twitter. Um, I've had a couple of interesting conversations about uh, Symphonia and the relationship between the church and the state, and um, the the ideal form of that relationship and how they relate to one another. And as typically, if you're having a conversation with Josiah, you're getting off into some pretty trippy spaces um so that's that's where it's gone but yeah i think there's a lot of really interesting um ground here for for more conversation we should definitely do it again well if y'all can't talk adam into coming on to to do a continuation of this look at power and and how uh that works especially looking at maybe from an orthodox and and christian perspective uh josiah might be an an excellent fourth for this uh he's never been on the show before i've i've interacted with him some in in our chats and also he's lucrative he's he's like he's like an eel (laughs) so i've interacted with him some on our chats and also on on twitter so i I think he would definitely be a good addition to the show um in the meantime hope everybody has enjoyed this and gotten some something out of it and if you don't mind be sure to leave us some some comments or tell us what direction to take part two because um as as i learned with the discussion on the new right with matt and don the pleb uh Part two goes in whole other directions and is even more interesting than part one. So, so give us some feedback on this one. Tell us what you want to hear on part two. And we will pick this up again here in a couple of weeks as soon as we can get uh, schedules worked out for everybody. And in the meantime, have a great one, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thank you.